Thank you for listening to this podcast brought to you by Reach Life Church in Asheville, North Carolina. Our mission is changing life by making, growing, and unleashing gospel-centered disciples of Jesus. For more information, resources, or to connect with us online, visit www.reachlifechurch.org. As we're continuing this morning, we're going to be in Romans, like I said, Romans chapter 5, verses 12 through 21, as we are continuing in our teaching series of Romans, going from doctrine to desire. And listen, as we're getting ready to get into this text, I want to warn you that we are going to be, uh, we're in deep waters today. We're, we're no longer in the kiddie pool Uh, We are going into probably one of the deepest sections of Romans, which means that although we're only going to be reading 10 verses, uh, it is going to require us to, more than normal, engage our minds. It's going to require that we really work to pay attention to what Paul is, is teaching us here. Now, I almost was going to say, I bet you can't pay attention to this as I read it, but I'm not going to say that. Uh, What I'm going to say is that it can be done, but it's going to take a lot of of our energy, as you're going to see. It's it's deep stuff, but it's truths that God gave us because he knows that we can grasp them through the Holy Spirit if we will apply our minds, and we will uh, benefit from it. So let's. with that said, we're going to be in Romans chapter 5, beginning with verse 12. Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all sinned, for sin indeed was in the world before the law was given. But sin is not counted where there is no law. Yet death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those who whose sinning was not like the transgression of Adam, who was a type of the one who was to come. But the free gift is not like the trespass. For if many died through one man's trespass, much more have the grace of God and the free gift by the grace of that one man, Jesus Christ, abounded for many. And the free gift is not like the result of the one man's sin, For the judgment following one trespass brought condemnation, but the free gift following many trespasses brought justification. For if, because of one man's trespass, death reigned through that one man, much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Would you say this with me? Jesus Christ. Therefore, as one trespass led to condemnation for all men, so one act of righteousness leads to justification and life for all men. For as by the one man's disobedience, the many were made sinners, so by the one man's obedience, the many will be made righteous. Now, The law came in to increase the trespass, but where sin increased, can you say this with me? Grace abounded all the more, so that in sin, so that as sin reigned in death, grace also might reign through righteousness, leading to eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Let's pray together. 
Father in heaven, um, we have opened your word, and we are especially aware that this morning we need you. We always need you, but this passage helps us to really see that we really need you as we are, have moved into deep waters, as, as we've moved into some truths that uh, sometimes can be difficult to understand. And so we ask that you would, would help us because we know that these truths are meant to help uh, to grow us as children, as your children. They're, they're meant to help us to grow as your disciples. They are meant to help us to grow as your people. And so we ask that by the Holy Spirit, you would um, empower us, you would illuminate us, you would help us to gain understanding, you would help us to all take another step forward as you transform us to be more like Jesus. And all God's people said, amen. You may be seated. Well, just as a quick review, as we've been studying the book of Romans, we have, we've almost gotten through five chapters. Today we plan to get through chapter five. And from the beginning, Paul has been laying out a case. He has been trying to instruct us Number one, you are not right with God, and then he's wanting to show us how we can be right with God, how we can be what he calls justified before God, how we can be declared righteous. And what Paul is saying is it's not by our good works, us doing good things, and it's not, it's not even by us not doing bad things, abstaining from evil. He says the only way to be made right with God is by faith alone in Christ alone. And when we have faith alone in Christ alone, it produces good works that God accepts. It also produces a motivation to resist evil. And in today's section of Paul's letter, did you notice that we're coming face to face with two men, Adam and Jesus, two real historical men named Adam and Jesus. And Adam and Jesus are two men that every person who has ever walked on the face of the earth must personally deal with. Or to put it another way, we have to make a deal with them. Now, speaking of making a deal, I don't know if you've ever seen the TV show Deal or no deal. Now, to be honest with you, I have never watched an entire episode of this for various reasons, but I do know what the, what the rules are of this game, and I'm going to explain them real quick. What happens is there's 26 briefcases that uh, come out, and they, they're on a stage up here, and uh, you can show the next slide. In each one of these briefcases, there's a, a different money amount. It can be a penny, or it can go all the way up to a million dollars. Now, the contestant, what, they are, what they're called to do, or what they do is, at the very beginning of the game, they come out, they, everybody cheers for them, and they talk, and they, from those 26 cases, choose one, one briefcase. Now, they don't know what's inside of it, but guess what they're hoping is inside of it? A million dollars. I would be happy if $50,000 was in there, but... At any rate, they don't know how much is in that in their suitcase. The rest of the game, they begin to eliminate uh, briefcases, hoping that they will, the penny will show up, hoping that the dollars, you know, lower numbers will show up so that they can know, okay, at least I've got a high number in here. 
Now, during this game, there's a guy called the banker who will call down periodically and, and try to make a deal with this person. They'll say, I'll give you X amount of dollars for your suitcase if you'll give it to me right now and you can walk away. And, and, and I can walk, you can walk away from it. And this is where the contestant has to decide, are they willing to do that? Are they willing to take a chance? Because what if the, the banker says, I'll give you $100,000 and there's a million in there? They have to make a decision. Which deal am I going to take? If they take the banker's deal, they hit the red button and the game ends and then they open it up to see whether or not their deal was actually the better deal. Now, let's move from that game show over to today's passage where, listen, we all have been offered two different deals by two different bankers. Adam and Jesus. And I don't know if you picked this up when I was reading, but Paul says that we were, by default, born into a deal with Adam. You're already in a deal with Adam. And so you must choose whether you're going to keep that deal, that current deal with Adam, or by faith, hit the buzzer and accept the Father's offer of his son, Jesus. You guys tracking with me on this? So what I want to do today is, is look at this. And as, as I've said this, you might, something in you might be going, I don't know about that. Something in you might be rising up, kind of, kind of objecting to, what, to this uh, place that you're in right now. And, and you might be saying like, you know, you're telling me, James, that, that I'm already in a deal with someone that I've never met against my consent. I didn't give my consent for this. I didn't choose this deal. Uh, and, and you're telling me that my life and that my eternal destiny have all been impacted by a guy named Adam. And I'm supposed to be okay with that? Well, if, if that's what you're thinking this morning, I want to encourage you that you're not the first to think that. Many of us in this room have had to wrestle with that thought. And the good news is that today's passage is going to give us hope. It's going to give us good news that trumps, that destroys, that overrides any objections that you might have if you are willing to take the deal that God is offering. And as you might have noticed when we went through the passage, Paul uses a lot of repetition when, when he's going through, the, through the, uh, the verses. And so instead of going verse by verse like we normally do, I want to follow uh, the individual threads of each man that runs through the entire passage so that, that you can examine, that, so that we can examine what's inside of each one of these briefcases to decide which one is giving the better deal. And so we're going to start with Adam. Adam is the first uh, briefcase that I want to open up and look inside. And the first thing that we're going to see about Adam is that he didn't uh, give us a choice. We didn't have a choice in this. I've already mentioned that already. And when you came in this morning, uh, hopefully you got what we call the weekly. And if you want to take notes, you turn it around on the back side, you can take notes on that and take it home with you, help you remember some of the things that I'm preaching this morning. But the first uh, tr gospel truth here is that we did not have a choice. Let's look at verse 12 where it confirms this. Therefore, just as sin came into the world through Adam, death spread to all men. 
Verse 18 says, therefore, Adam's one trespass led to condemnation for all men. Now, that word men means mankind. It's saying that everyone, everyone did not have a choice, but they, they were included in Adam's decision. Now, the first century church would not have had a problem with embracing the truth that the entire human race descended from just one man. Paul confirms this in Acts 17, 26, when he says that God made, he said, God made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth. So there's a couple things that we can, that we can know about being coming from one man. And the first is that we are all related. We need to realize that we are all related. There is only one race. Now, we're all related, not by choice, but we are all related because there's only one race. Now, this is kind of like a sub-point. This isn't really in the text here, but I'm going to say it anyway. Um, I think it would be better, instead of saying that someone is racist, it would be to, to say that someone is prejudiced against another ethnicity because we're all from the same race, uh, the same human race. And what Paul is teaching is that the human race is divided into two humanities. You guys following me? Two humanities. Fallen humanity, whose representative is Adam, and the new humanity, whose representative is Jesus. So, Number one, we're all related. Number two, we've all inherited some things. Now, this is not by choice. What's true of Adam is true of us, okay? And we all get this kind of because all of us uh, have inherited certain physical, mental, and psychological traits and idiosyncrasies from our parents. I passed mine on to my children. Um, that's something that we all kind of get. There's, uh, for example, Liam. Everybody knows Liam, right? If there was a, if there was a TV show about Liam, it, was, it would be called Everyone Loves Liam. He's that kid full of life, just joy. Uh, and when you look at Liam, who do you see? You see Colton, don't you? There's no way you can't see Colton if you know him. It, it just short of the beard, which next picture shows real clearly the, the resemblance. Obviously, Liam got Colton's nose. But it's very clear that he descended from Colton. Uh, there's actually a family that's in this room that's exactly like that. There's something about that we pass down certain traits that, that cause our children to look like us and sometimes act like us. So this, what I'm, I'm sharing here isn't something like new to us. And you know, you didn't choose that, did you? You didn't get to choose who your parents were going to be. You didn't get to choose uh, how tall you were going to be or certain characteristics that your parents were going to pass down to you. And also, you didn't get to choose whether or not you were going to be an Adam. And yet, without our consent, these things have been passed down to us. So let's look what's in the package that has been passed down to us. Number one, uh, we didn't have a choice. The first thing that's been passed down to us is disobedience. Adam was disobedient. Now, we know, those of us who have, been, who have studied the Word or who were with us when we were studying the book of Genesis, know that this, this isn't how it started. Um, Adam and his wife Eve, who were the first man and woman, they were created perfectly by God. 
to reign as king and to reign as queen over all creation. And if you remember in Genesis chapter 1, verse 28, God tells them to do something. He says, he blessed them and he said, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. That, that's a lot to do, isn't it? Um, have you ever flown in an airplane and like looked out and looked at all the land that's out there with nobody anywhere near or, or gone over water and how much water there is if you've gone from like the U.S. to another country? It's amazing how big the earth is. God said, fill it. Uh, Adam and Eve were the, the crowning jewel of creation. And, and, and God said, do all this, but I'm going to give you one, just one prohibition. And that is, do not eat from the, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Do not eat from that tree because it's poisonous to you. That tree is, is not good. This is the only thing in the world that is bad for you. So do not eat from that tree. He gave them so much freedom. He said, reign over all the earth, conquer it, subdue it, fill the entire earth with sinless little image bearers, and just stay away from that tree. That's in chapters 1 and 2. Chapter 3, where do we find them? Hanging out next to the tree. Of all the places, all the things they could have been doing, they're hanging by the tree. And you know what's interesting to me? Can you relate to that? I was talking to one of my sons this week about this, about how, why is it that it's always that one or two things that we don't have that we just can get so bogged down with or the thing that we wish wasn't the way it was in our life. And instead of worshiping God, instead of, of serving him and praising him um, for who he is and looking at the gifts that he's given us and being grateful and, and being fruitful, we can get stuck on the one thing that we don't have. That's human nature, isn't it? Well, that's what happened with Adam and Eve. And God said, you know, don't eat it. And what does Adam do? He waits till he thinks God isn't looking, which God sees all things. He takes a big bite of it. He disobeys God. He rebels. And when Adam disobeyed, when he rebelled, because he was our representative, because we were born into Adam, then we were credited with his disobedience. Now, I want to pause here and, and just discuss this concept of representation because um, in our individualistic Western culture, we have been conditioned to believe that everything exists for us to, 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 to further your kingdom, we, um, that society exists for the individual. But actually, you know, throughout history and in many countries still today, those countries that are, uh, are thriving civilizations, they understand, they realize that the individual exists for the good of the whole. That is a concept that is being totally erased uh, in, our, in our nation, um, in, in, our, in our society. We, we breathe that air. And so many are rubbed wrong with the idea that somehow Adam represents us and that we somehow share in his, uh, his disobedience. That this, this concept of representation might seem strange to you, but it's actually something that we are fami familiar with. We do have people that represent us. For example, elected officials um, from, from Washington. They are supposed to represent the will of the people, right? Um, so if the President of the United States 
decides to declare war on uh, another country, he doesn't usually call me and, and make sure I'm okay with that. He, he makes that decision, and he represents all of us. Because if you're a citizen of the United States, you are at war with that country. Whether you like it or not, you can't go, you know, I'm not at war with that country. Well, you actually are in under that president's representation. Um, here's my sports analogy. Pastors always give sports analogies. Here comes my sports analogy. It, it, before a game, what happens? You send out captains to the center of the field for the coin toss. Those captains represent the team. So if the, t- if the official says heads or tails, and your dude says heads, and the official goes tails, the rest of the team can't go, no, 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 that, we wanted tails. You know, that's not how it works. We get whatever our representative decided. And in a, a similar way, Adam, listen, he was created by God perfectly, and he was assigned by God to be our representative, representative to be humanity's representative. So when he disobeyed, we disobeyed. And, we'll, and you might say, well, James, I'm still not good with that. That is not fair. He's not my, pres- my representative. I don't agree with what he did. Uh, if I had been there, I wouldn't have done that. Really? Really? I mean, let me, okay, if, that, if you're thinking that, I hope you're not, but if you're thinking that, let me ask you this. Have you ever intentionally disobeyed God? Now, that's a rhetorical question, obviously. Um, we all have. Paul has already made it clear throughout uh, the book of Romans, chapter 3, there is none righteous, no, not one. For all have sinned, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Have I ever intentionally disobeyed God? Yes, I have, and it's been more than just eating a piece of fruit. Much worse than that. So the point I'm trying to get at is this. Listen, when you sin, if you say, you know, I don't agree with what Adam did, when you sin, you're actually casting your vote in agreement with what he did. You're agreeing with Adam's disobedience. Let's look at verse 12 here again. It says, therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man. You see that? That sin came into the world through, through Adam's action and death through sin. So death spread to all men because all sinned. Now, I want to look at that little phrase, because all sinned, because some teach that that, that, that phrase, all sinned, means that, you know, we weren't born into sin because of Adam, but rather we sinned and we copied, we saw what Adam did and we copied what he did. But I want you to notice that, that this phrase here doesn't say because all sin, continue to sin. This, this word all sinned, it's, it's a, a verb that, uh, that shows that the action was totally completed in the past. You see, what I'm, you see what I'm saying? That they all sinned in the past. So to me, I think it makes more sense to interpret it that as death spread to all men because all sinned in the past through Adam. Now, regardless of which interpretation you want to take there, it's safe to say, I think, that we all have agreed with Adam, haven't we? Because all have sinned, all have been disobedient. So, so far, things aren't looking too good with Adam, are they? 
We don't have a choice. Disobedience, which leads to condemnation, which leads to condemnation. Let's look at verse 16. And the free gift is not like the trespass of that one man's sin. For the judgment following one trespass brought what? Condemnation. Therefore, as one trespass, this is verse 18, led to condemnation for all men. Adam's one act of of sin brought condemnation to all of us. And again, the point that, that Paul is teaching throughout the book of Romans is that we need to be justified. We need to be declared righteous before God. And he's showing us how to be righteous before God. Right here, he's pointing out that Adam was not righteous before God. He was condemned before God, which is the exact opposite of just being justified. So instead of being declared righteous, those who are in Adam, and that's everybody that's ever been born, are declared unrighteous before God through Adam. Adam's condemnation leads to the fourth point I want to see here, to death. That's the fourth uh, promise that we get, the final uh, benefit, as it were, that we get from taking Adam's offer. Let's look at verse um, 12. Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all sinned. Verse 14, yet death reigned from Adam to Moses. Verse 15, many died through one man's trespass. And then verse 17, for if because of one man's trespass, death reigned, through that one man. See, what what Paul is repeating over and over is that Adam offers us death. No choice, disobedience leads to condemnation that brings death. And you might right now, again, be objecting and saying, that's not fair. I mean, I didn't have a choice in this. Well, you know what, actually, and this is where the good news comes in. Actually, there is a better offer that you can trade your briefcase in for, and that's Jesus, right? Jesus is a better choice or the greatest choice that we can um, turn to. It says, for the wages of sin, for the wages of Adam is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. You have a choice. God offers us a choice. You can, number one, you can keep Adam's, Adam as your representative and suffer the consequences, or you can leave Adam, forsake Adam, and place your faith in Jesus and allow him to be your representative and get credit for his work and his consequences. And you know what's interesting throughout this passage, when When Paul is comparing Jesus' work to Adam's work, he isn't uh, saying that they are equal. He uses words like this for Jesus, much more, abounded, abundance, reigning. So in other words, the obedient life work of Jesus is not equal to Adam's disobedience. It's superior. It is superior because it totally obliterates Adam's 
rebellious failings that lead to death. So let's look at what's inside of of this deal. Number one is obedience. Adam was disobedience. Jesus is obedience. Verse 18 says, Therefore, as one trespass led to condemnation for all men, so one act of righteousness leads to justification and life for all men. Verse 19, For as many uh, as for as by the one man's disobedience the many were made ro- uh, sinners, so by the one man's obedience the many will be made righteous. Unlike Adam, Jesus perfectly obeyed the Father in a greater way. Now I want you to think about this. I want you to think about Adam, his temptation versus Jesus's. Adam's temptation, when, when he was, was tempted, he was living where? In paradise. Conditions were perfect. He was surrounded by food. He had everything that he wanted except for one thing, and he falls. Jesus, on the other hand, is born into a world of sin and temptation, and when he, was in the, he was, when he was in the desert, that was not paradise. He was alone. Things were dry, a place that was dry and barren. He was hungry. He was thirsty. He was weak for 40 days. And yet he resisted Satan. Not just then, but throughout his entire life. Jesus never gave in to temptation. He always did what was pleasing to the Father. He proved to be victorious by humbling himself, by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Now, I think the heart of Jesus is this. He's saying, you know what? I would rather die than disobey my father. I want to glorify my father more than do what's best for me. And so when we believe in Jesus... Listen, this is, this is good news. When you press the button and accept this offer, you get credit for Jesus' obedience. Everything he did, we get credit for. Everything he did, we did. So we get his obedience, which leads to justification. Christ's obedience leads to our justification. Let's look at verse 16. It says, the free gift following many trespasses brought justification. Again, being justified means to be declared righteous. Verse 18, therefore, as one trespass led to condemnation for all men, so one act of righteousness leads to justification and life for all men. By the, verse 19, by the one man's obedience, the many will be made righteous. Now, I want to point out something here uh, in verse 18, because there, this is a, a verse that uh, can be kind of controversial, because there are those, they're called universalists, who, who um, teach a heretical doctrine using a verse like this that says that in the end, whether you believe in Christ or not, in the end, everybody is going to be saved. And, and they will look at this verse 18 and they will look, they'll say, look, it says that Jesus' one act of righteousness leads to justification for all men. They just take that one verse, separate it out of the Bible, 
and point to it. Now, if that was the only verse in the, uh, that was in the Bible, we would say, okay, it looks like everybody is going to be saved. But church, we know better, don't we? We know better because we've been studying the scriptures together. We've been, we've been in the word together. This is, this is where it's so important that we be uh, students of the word of God uh, collectively and individually. We know that, this, that this is, is, there is a condition to receiving the offer. And it's not like we have to study the whole Bible. You just have to go to verse 17. Just one verse up shows us this. this. Let's look at it. For if because of one man's trespass, death reigned through that one man, much more, here it is, will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. You see that? It's not automatic. There are those who receive the gift, and then there are those who reject the offer that God is giving. And those who choose uh, to reject it will stay in Adam and suffer his consequences. Now, in context, I think that uh, this verse would be, be uh, better understood this way. Therefore, as one trespass led to condemnation for all men, and I, I added this, who are in Adam, so one act of righteousness leads to justification in life for all men who are in Christ. That's in, that's in context. When you take the entire context, it helps us to understand what Paul is saying. So if I just want to recap this. If, if Jesus is your representative, if you have accepted his offer, that means that everything about him that's true about him is, is true about you. That means his obedience is your obedience. His righteousness becomes your righteousness. Uh, everything he did when he lived perfectly, you get credit for that. We need to understand this. This is what's going to set us free from trying to please God with our own works. When I understand Jesus has done everything for me, it's not just that he died for me, but he lived for me. He lived for you. And when we stand before the Lord in Christ's righteousness as him as our representative, we get credit for everything that Jesus did. That is such good news. So this justification... We're justified before Christ, and it, it empowers us to the last gospel truth, to reign in life. When we get that Jesus has paid it all and that he lived for us, when he, listen, when he died, are you afraid of dying? Are you afraid to die or to be punished? When, and there are times that when I forget the gospel, I am, just to be honest with you. Uh, but you know what I do when I come back and I remember, you know what? Wait, my, I've already died. I've already been punished. Jesus was punished for me. When I remember that, I begin to come to life. I begin to reign in life. Life begins, let's say, reign in me, rather. Paul repeats this in, in verse 17. He says, much more will those who for those, will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ? He says it again in verse 21, and by God's grace, we're going to get into this more next week. But it says, so that as sin reigned in death, grace also might reign through righteousness, leading to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. 
Listen, church, every day we have a choice. We have a choice to make every single day. Keep your current deal with Adam or take Jesus up on his. And I'm gonna go over Adam's uh, benefits one more time. Adam is a uncertain, certain gamble, okay? Because here's, here's what Adam offers. You know, you might live to be 100 years old. You might live, which the older I get, I don't know that I want to, but you might live to be 100 years old. You might get to eat well your entire life. You might have a good job. You might be relatively healthy. You might have a happy family. Um, you can have a happy, fa happy family apart from Jesus. You might even make a name for yourself. Uh, you might get like 300 likes on Facebook on one of your pictures and make a name for yourself. You might be known once you die, you might be like an Abraham Lincoln who is remembered throughout history. But you know what? The truth is most of us won't. Most of us won't. Most of us can, might can remember our grandparents. You might can remember your great-grandparents. But after that, it gets really sparse, unless you're one of those you know, people that traces your tree. Um, but my point to you is that most of us will not be remembered very long. We will be forgotten by this world. Here's the only thing that is certain with Adam, and that is that you're going to die. You were born, and you're going to die. And so all of our bodies will return to dust, and then we will stand before the Lord. If you keep Adam's deal, you will stand before the Lord in Adam, as it were. Death will have victory over you, and tragically, you will perish. Jesus, on the other hand, gives a guaranteed certainty. Um, he has been given the God's stamp of approval. The Father said from heaven, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. Pay attention to my son. And so if you follow Jesus, listen, you might get diagnosed with a terminal disease. You might have to live with mental disorders or chemical imbalances throughout your life. You might have to live in poverty. You might have, because of Jesus' name, you might have to live in conflict with your family. You might be despised by your neighbors. You might lose your job or not get promoted because of your association with Christ. You might have to live a quiet, mundane, relatively boring, unimpressive life by worldly standards. You might have to do that as a believer. But here's the guarantee. You'll never walk alone in those. Jesus said, I will never leave you or forsake you. I will be with you through the thick and thin. You will also have peace with God through Jesus. He is your rep representative. Stand in his work, not yours. And in the end, listen, you will have zero regrets in the end. Because Scripture says that everyone, every, and this means everyone, who believes in Jesus will not be put to shame in the end. That is a promise in eternity. 
And here's another one that you may believe or not believe, but you will be amongst the first in eternity. Jesus says the first in this world will be last, and the last will be first. What that means, I'm not exactly sure, but I know that it's not last. In other words, you will reign with Christ. And you know, that's what we were created originally through Adam to do, isn't it? We were created to reign. We were created to rule. We were created to live forever. But Adam decided against that. He brought death to us all. That's why Jesus said, I have come that you might have life, to bring it back, to reverse what Adam did and make it better. It's going to be better than what was in creation. He's restoring all things, but he's making all things new. Again, I don't know what that looks like, but I know it's pretty good. And my question this morning to all of us, church, is are you reigning in life? Or is life reigning in you through Jesus Christ? Are you killing it or, or is it killing you? You know, um, one of the biggest mistakes that we can make is to think that, you know, James, this is a great message for all those people outside the church, all those people who have never come to Jesus. This is a great, preach it, brother. I hope these, if there's someone here that needs Jesus, that they'll hear this message and they'll accept it. Well, you know, the truth is I need Jesus today. And I need to hear this message also because there are times I am not reigning in life. There's a lot of times I'm not killing it. I'm getting killed out there. And you know why? It's because I forget who my representative is and I'm tempted to go back to old Adam and think that it's what I do that makes me special. It's my performance or man, what I didn't do as a parent or as a, as a pastor, as a friend, as a husband, whatever, I'm, whatever role you have in life, I can forget, no, I'm perfect when I'm in Christ, when he is my representative. And when I forget that, life loses its meaning, its purpose. It's not worth living. And so I want to encourage church, I want to encourage us, don't go back to Adam. This morning, you may be tempted. I just want to throw it all in. I just want to walk away from this. Don't go back to Adam. Don't go back to trying to please God by your works. Instead, return to Christ. Remember that we sang about it this morning. Jesus paid it all. I want to encourage you to endure. I want to encourage you to persevere. I want to encourage you to stay the course. Stay faithful. Blessed is the man, blessed is the woman who perseveres under trial because when they have stood the test, it's just a test, they will receive the crown of life which God promises to all who endure. What we lost in Adam, and this is the end here, what we lost in Adam, we are offered infinitely more in Jesus. And praise God, we have a choice. Amen? Amen. Amen.